Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. Uh, in lieu of our glorious leader Hamish, who we do hope will join us at some point tonight. I'm your temporary host, Forty. Boys, joining me today, as always, is my good mates, Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Ham. Hey, yo. And we've got a lot to talk about, boys. Round one in the NRL, round three in the NRLW, Jersey flag, New South Wales Cup, the juniors are back, there's injuries, there's everything except Parramatta signings just about. So let's dive right into it. Uh, NRL news, boys, on the agenda for Parramatta, almost crickets. We did pick up Zach Sini, uh, formerly of West Tigers fame, but from the Sharks in the offseason, uh, and he joined us for round one in the New South Wales Cup. Is a second-tier deal, we believe, because there is still space in our top 30, but um, we haven't seen anything official in terms of him being added to that. Any thoughts on that before we get into further news and injuries? Uh, good to have a mullet in the team after Wiramu shaved his off. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about his game uh, shortly. But, yeah, it gives us some uh, much-needed depth on the wing. Just last year it was dummy half, and now it's the wingers. We get one, well, one position each year just absolutely cursed by you know voodoo magic or something because our boys are dropping like flies on the flanks right now. And uh, I don't think there's too much else in the way of big NRL news. Obviously, we talked about the judiciary changes last week, and we saw that in action for better and worse this round, unfortunately. Um, but let's move on quickly to the injury report. Uh, the Parramatta Eels have a few boys added to it this week. Uh, we knew that Mike Siva was coming back later in the season. We knew that Hayes Dunster was out for season 2022. Joining them now is Ryan Madison with a hamstring injury due back between rounds four and five. Murata Niakore spied on crutches at the game on Sunday. He's got a calf injury to be confirmed the duration, but you know a, short, a short-term injury for calves is between one to three weeks. Any sort of mid-range tear could be between four to six uh, let's just hope that it's one of those two and not something even worse. And then, of course, Sean Russell, who we'll talk about in depth. He's going to be out for a long time, I feel. Um, initially, when they were talking about rib injuries, they were saying three to six weeks. And Earl Physio is the uh, sort of guideline on a basic rib break. But it turns out he's had two badly broken ribs and a punctured lung. And he's on the to-be-confirmed uh, timeline as well. But I saw some talk on Twitter of between six to 12 weeks. And I probably let, tend to think it'll be on the longer side, uh, given how much he was struggling. Not good news, boys. Uh, a lot of blokes in the injury ward right now. Um, obviously, it's better to have it at the start of a season than during the finals, which is why we got bogged down in 2021. But, geez, our depth has been tested early on. Yeah, for certain. It's uh, Especially with the two young wingers. It's sort of how he's got his opportunity through injury, and then he gets injured, and then Sean takes his opportunity through injury, and it just seemed to be... Uh, you know, they seem to do quite well in the time that they had. Uh, Hayes was looking strong in the Dragons yeah, trial. Well, 60s had big raps um, on TCT on Hayes' preseason, and then he gets knocked out. And like you said, Russell started the game on fire, and he and gets then, knocked out. And then, you know, he, the thing with Russell, he was playing smart. You know, we'll go more into this in the game. Like, he's not big, but he was playing smart. Um, you could see, like, you compare his try with Wanger's attempt you can just see Sean knows, like, had the ball on the left arm away from the defence and all this sort of stuff. He's a smart player. It was really disappointing to see um, him get injured through foul play. Um, and, yes, it is foul play. Um, and, you know, this opportunity, like, he comes back at a time when probably uh, Mike Acevo's coming back. Uh, you don't know who's going to be um, doing a job and you have to come back through reserve grade when, you know, judging by that first half, he probably deserves his spot in first grade. Any thoughts, Betty? I'm just getting sick and tired of um, losing players to, like, foul play or whatever you call it. Just, you know, 
I just we've lost Hayes, right? How how have we been compensated? The guys, the guy got what four weeks, whatever it was, five weeks. We lose now Russell, and now people are saying, on a technicality, it's not a foul play, and now he's out for a few weeks. Like I guarantee, right? If this was like a Teddy Turbo, and I've said tweeted this out before as well recently. If this was one of these players, the uproar. Not only will they get compensated heavily, like they'll be able to get like new plays in on extra money cap thing, but it'll be ridiculous. I'm just it's, it's because it's Hayes who's had what 50 games and we got and then or 30 games, sorry, and we got a youngster. Like it just it's just it's not a good look because let's just see what happens. Knock on wood, Simonson gets you know had, and Simonson got a head eye tackle in round in the first trial match. Like we players, our players are getting taken out like by some dodgy shit. Sorry, dodgy stuff. And it's just, um, I'm not a fan of it. I just, I don't care what you say. I don't care he got off the technicality. He led with the knees. Okay, he didn't. The first contact was hands, but you know, I, you know, I played junior rugby league. Nowhere, nowhere did any of my coaches or trainers taught me. Hey, you know, when you tackle someone, you can just slide them with your knees, and if you hit them, it's okay. Yeah. I'm not a fan of it. It's going to be water core talk for the few next few weeks. I feel like, and then. It's going to be, and and it's not technically precedent because it didn't go to a charge, but I feel like a lot of clubs are going to be pointing back at this incident as the season winds on the next time someone else uses their knees and say, hey, hey, it was okay for Jaden Campbell. It's got to be okay for our boy. Oh, I guarantee this, 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 I guarantee you this incident will be used to get a lot of players off, off the hook and, well, and knowing, possibly, you know, in the, the finals match, match. Knowing the match review committee and the judiciary, it'll be literally just pour, pour a number out of a hat. Because we've seen before similar incidents getting wildly different uh, charges or no charges, and it's definitely something we're going to have to monitor as the year winds on. But let's talk football, boys. It was back-to-back double headers for the blue and gold on the weekend. On Saturday we had the Jersey flag and the New South Wales Cup. Then on Sunday we had the NRLW and the NRL. Let's work backwards with the main event first: the NRL Sunday four o'clock, our first game of the year out at Combank Stadium, the rebadged uh, Western Sydney Stadium, formerly Bank West Stadium. Parramatta Eels ended up getting the win. It wasn't pretty. But they got the job done on on rather testing conditions. Honestly, it was very warm out there, thirty two to twenty eight uh, for the Titans. It was a Philip Sammy double, uh, both of which should have been no tries. By the way, a forward pass and an offside chase, a Brian Kelly double, and an Aaron Clark try that got them their five four pointers. Toby Sexton four from five in terms of conversions for the Eels. Sean Russell absolutely on fire before the injury. First half hat trick within thirty three minutes. Uh, and that was complemented by a Sean Lane try and a Wanga Blake try. Five tries apiece between the two teams. Moses only three from five for the try conversions, but thankfully flawless from the tee when it came to penalty goals, going three for three in the 66, 71st, and 79th minute to ice the game. Uh, in terms of the team stats, Eels actually came out on top of most things. They dominated possession due to that second half run, 57 to 43%, up on time possession, just over five and a half minutes, 26, 16 to 20, 59. Uh, completion rate favoured the Eels heavily, which is really surprising given our first half. 77% for the Blue and Gold, 28 of 36, versus 70, uh, 67% for the Titans, 21 of 31. Up on runs, run meters, post-contact meters. Although down one line break net on the Titans for the five. Down tackle breaks, 33 to 31. So close there, but Titans edging ahead. But better set distance on average, better kick returns. Fast to play the balls, 3.65 to 3.71. Forced uh, a number of line dropouts, three of them, in fact, to the Titans, zero. That was all in the second half. Big factor as to how he ran away with the game. And uh, tackled, yeah, both teams just a smidge under 87%. So not the most clean game defensively, which uh, sort of follows that eye test that we saw. In terms of the individual stats, boys, big games games from Ice, big games from Reg. Uh, I thought Junior had some good numbers, but also a couple of bad moments too in terms of a a play-to-ball penalty. 
Sean Lane got some good numbers a try plus over 100 metres on the ground. Uh, yeah, uh, this this was a game where there's a lot to talk about. It wasn't as dominant as we were hoping given how he showed up against Penrith, but at the end of the day, we got the two points and that matters. Um, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think in the preview I predicted 32-0. Uh, so I got, I got the attack right. We scored as many points <laughs> as I thought we would, but just the defence, and I think that there was three errors that really stick in my mind. It was um, firstly... Uh, four errors, maybe four. Uh, Sean Lane's dropped ball off 40-20. Uh, Junior Paulo's incorrect play of the ball. That's just pure laziness and shouldn't be happening at a, at a first grade, at a junior at a junior level, let alone first grade. That's just pure laziness. Terrible stuff. Reed's charge down kick. I said it. I said it in the bloody review of the Dragons trial match when Laney did it. It's a clearing kick. Just let it go. Yeah. What? What? You get the ball back on the fifty. Oh wow. Gutho catches that on the full and returns it to the 20, and it's tackle one. Like, we were on top at the time, let it go through to the keeper, and we were, doing, we were rucking out fine. It wasn't as if we were struggling to ruck the ball out. We are making metres. It was just unnecessary. Um, and then, obviously, the fourth there is Clinton Gutherson dropping the ball at the kickoff. That's just, again, attention to detail. Like, it, it, it was sort of down at his knees. He had to crouch down, but an elite player like Gutho should be catching those balls. and. You take those four errors, Laney's one. We're on the attack, second tackle. With the way we were going, we score again. Easy. Uh, Junior's one, leads them to score. Reddy's one, leads them to score. Gutho's one, leads them to score. If you take those four errors and negate them, because I don't think they were difficult, like they were just errors, uh, unforced errors, really, you get rid of those. Titans don't score, in my opinion. They don't get that confidence back. They don't, you know, they don't go on and make it a game. I think we can add, I, we should have smashed them. And, you know, I'm happy that we won in round one. I'll take, I'll, I'll take any win any day of the week. But it's just those four things were laziness, attention to detail, just disappointing stuff. There's certainly a lot on the tape for the boys to review, which I would have done on Monday or Tuesday of this week, I dare say. And they're going to certainly uh, be, you know, looking at that and identifying very easily uh, the effort areas and, and execution issues that let themselves down. You already highlighted some of the big ones there, Ham. Uh, yeah, Bro, just, just on that read money charge down as well. We saw later in the game what good kick pressure does. Big Reg chased down Will Smith, didn't stick his arms out, went to make the tackle, and we caught him on the last. Forced the turnover on tackles. Like if Re- Reedy's, I imagine, is a, a little bit quicker than uh, Campbell Gillard, get in there, you know, you don't have to wave your arms around. Just put kick pressure on. That's enough. It does raise a, a an age old question as to whether the charge down rule should be revisited. Well, that that's a that's a that's that's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, that's for another day. That that is for another day. <clears throat> but yeah, this this is a game where the Eels were absolutely in control at two points in the first half, and eventually ended up being twenty six twelve, I believe, uh, 24-12, before they you know the, let the Titans storm back of two late tries uh, in the shade of half time. But like I said, this will be a game they'll come out with and there'll be no excuses for complacency moving forwards into the game against Cronulla because they hurt themselves in this game and a better team would have taken advantage of it. And the Titans, as plucky and, uh, and as popular as they are as an upstart team with a bit of offensive firepower, I don't think they've just got the consistency and the, the killer edge that some of the other big teams have when it comes to capitalising on those opportunities. I'll just I'll just on that. You say a bit against a better team, but I think... 2020 BA learned a lesson was to not take every game at the same. We saw in 2021 
like we went through a, a, a low patch and that just it, it it coincided with when we were playing bigger teams but then we come back out and beat the storm i think ba has seen you know you can play at 70 percent. you can play at 80 percent against these lower teams so i'm just i'm just wondering like are we going to take that same approach this year and when we like we've nominated this game a low intensity game what did you make of the what it felt like was a maybe a directive that also came about post Sean Russell injury. Arthur comes on in the halves, pushes Dylan Brown out to the centres, Wanga Blake to wing. Bit of a, a messy reshuffle, but sort of regardless of whether Arthur was there or it was Bryce Cartwright, there was always going to facilitate an, an unfortunate reshuffle given that we just did not have wing cover in the extended roster at this point now. But the directive seemed to be to simplify things, to get into the grind, go away from playing expansive and, and fast side-to-side football and just wear the Titans down with short balls, attack the line of forwards and just get to your kicks. Did you like that? Do you think it was the right message to send after halftime? Yeah, well, I was saying to you before the pod that I was disappointed that, you know, I was disappointed is not the right word, I guess, but just felt indifferent about us. Every time we went down to the Titans half, we just scored. Like I, I would have liked to have seen us reverse the game a little bit maybe and i think that's what we did against them in 2020 uh round two yes up, up on the Gold Coast, before COVID, where yeah. we're playing those short balls to forwards we're playing those crash balls to forwards we just tired them out tired them out tired them out and the titans aren't mentally tough enough to back that up i think that if we reverse to the game where we did those short balls close to the line we did those hard hitting forwards i think it would have been very similar to that score and you know it, it would have been frustrating but I wouldn't have had heart attack at the end of the game rather than at the middle of the game. <laughs> Bertie, what were your thoughts on the game, mate? You've been a bit quiet there. Were you fired up? Uh, were you disappointed? Uh, Do you think it was you know, fine to escape with the two points in those tough uh, and warm conditions on a, on a Sunday that was very unlike what we've been used to in the last month or so? Um, you know, like I'm more worried, not so much with the errors because you can fix errors. You know, they were just stupid decisions. You know, Junior, straight from the, you know, um, early set, you know, passes it to Maddo, maybe she holds it. I'm more worried about the the edges defense, you know, like you look at Guffo, Guffo's experience, you know, um our winger Bailey Simonson, I think he played his forty fifth game, you know, Penasini um played his what third or fourth game. Russell same, you know, same amount of games and even um so really the most experienced players in our back five are Winger Blake and uh Guffo. So like I'm I'm I can put it down that you know, these are young kids, you know, um, they don't know the system as well, or they're just, you know, they're just young. But how, what I'm more worried about is like the, our, so our back row, so Papali'i and, um, and Lane, they'll just suck it, they'll just, um, too, they were in the middle of the park too much, like they'll just suck it in from the, from, from the Titans, and by that logic, everyone moves in. So, like, if they just stay out a bit wider and, like, I know, I don't know what it is, maybe because, you know, probably he plays in the middle sometimes and Lane too, like, he feels comfortable in the middle of the field and not out on the edge on the island, essentially. But the defense on the edge has worried me more than the errors. And, you know, I'll, I'll give, I, I can give him a couple of games, you know, for God's sake, we gave Michael Oldfoot a few games, you know. The least you can do is give Simonson a few games before you start. Well, the thing is, you know, I, don't, I don't think I saw much from Simonson that had me concerned on an individual nah. level for him defensively. I think the system. The issues were systemic from further inside. Uh, yeah. It felt like, uh, you know, from the sort of the edge back row out, that's where the numbers were being found short. And the only thing that would be critical of Simonson in, in general would have been that first or the only try for the Titans in the second half when Philip Sammy outlept him and got over the top to score in front of Gufferson. But as, yeah. it, as it turns out, the bunker should have pulled that one up because Sammy quite clearly had a foot in front of the kicker. But 
Yeah, so like if you go back look at it, like I think it might have been the Albert Kelly's first try. Um, like Papa Lee is right next to the goalpost. Like I don't know. As I said, is he comfortable defending in the middle of the park, or like just surely he should just you know bring it about a couple you know five or six yards out. Like maybe maybe that's how Brad Arthur likes his defense line. Like make it compressed, make it as compressed and where because if you look at it, um, their last try before in the first half where David Feeder made that one run. Each pass that they made was in front, and it was perfect. So, like, to nail every single pass was, like, very, very... It's very hard to do in rugby league. So, like, everything went right for them. And maybe Brad Arthur has a setup where you've literally got to be pinpoint with your with your passes. You know, you got to be like a Latrell Mitchell where you can throw a good cutout pass. Like, you you have to show a bit of ability to beat us, if that makes sense. None of, none of this fluky stuff. So, I don't know. It's just it's just those edges. That's where it starts off at. And, and, yeah, but, I, I agree that the... Um, the issues further infield, like I think, probably it just doesn't have that lateral movement that we need from a second rower because, especially, I think it was that second try. Um, oh, Papa, he falls for the decoy run. It was never going to the decoy runner. The decoy runner started off in front of the halfback. He needed to push out, but he pushed up, and then which forced Moses, which forced Penasini, which yeah, forced it, it, ca- it cascades in. from there exactly. Yeah, and so yeah, you know, people uh, will blame. Bailey Simons and, and you know I've seen a statistician out there say he's wor- uh, worth minus sixteen points to Parramatta, but because of those try causes, well, yeah, the try was scored there, but the cause is the inside. You know, if if Bailey rushes up like Eric Groth Junior used to do, actually rushes up out of the line, well, then yes, that's his mistake. But he followed his centre. The centre followed the halfback. Like that's that's a poor. That's poor decision making, rather than you know shooting up out of the line. That's as I said. That's Papa Lee putting his team, and I'm not hating on Papa Lee. I think he's a great player, but that's our edges setting us, putting us in a bad position because you, yeah. you lead the line. So like, you should know if I come in, the guy on my outside is going to come in by, by you know by default. So like, just stay out, just stay like keep as you know, compact as possible. You don't have to rush in. And also like, even if that short, even if the ball was go to the short player, go to the second rower. You've got to trust your inside player to push out because tackling with your inside shoulder is a lot harder than, you know, you should be tackling with your outside shoulder. And part of that needs to be chalked down to first-round rust. As good as we looked in the trial against Penrith, once the bright lights are on and the the whistle is live, uh, you know, as they say, uh, you know, those mistakes get magnified. And we even saw from, as you mentioned, him, Quinton Gufferson had a really bad, or it was was actually a double-up on Aaron Clark that led to him scoring a really soft try. Just, you know, physically the one-on-one matchups, sometimes we didn't win them against the Titans. That's something that we're going to back ourselves to do on most given days. Yeah, I don't mind that from Guffey because he comes out off the line and meets him. Like, he's not sitting back on the line no, the, and waiting the, for the, contact. He tried to be a speed bump. The, the theory behind it is fine, but you've got to make the tackle, and he didn't. Oh, yeah, time. yeah, no doubt. I will say that that last try at halftime, because um, it looked like Penasini had um, Fermor covered. Like, you don't have – like, maybe – if Simon stays on his winger and trusts that Penasini can make the tackle one-on-one, they don't score. Maybe the players just got to have some faith in the centers they're going to make the tackle. Like like right now, we know Moses and Dylan Brown are going to make their tackle, especially Dylan Brown. We trust him one-on-one. So maybe the team just got to trust their players to do one-on-one tackles. But I don't know. Maybe, yeah. If you, if you have trust in them, it's all right. But. And, of course, we mentioned it in passing during the injury report, but in the 33rd minute, <clears throat> Jaden Campbell leads with the knees and gets Sean Russell 
wasn't the only time he did that that game. Wanga Blake and Sean Lane also, especially Blake, lucky to escape injury during their respective tries with uh, Campbell sliding in from the knees on both occasions there. No penalty, no Simbin, no send-off, no eight-point try, let alone any sort of uh, charge from the match review committee. I, I don't know, boys. It just it, it rubs me the wrong way. We we understood. I mean, Dylan Brown's incident against Drew Hutchison was worse last year. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're not equivalent in the sense of being at the same level, but they are obviously the same kind of incident. But Dylan copped an absolute reaming in the public. Uh, there was fire and, and brim uh, brimstone sort of stuff going on. Uncle Nick got in contact with the NRL at halftime, and there were calls for him to you know have his head cut off essentially. The the press of Campbell has been the complete opposite. It's been kind of uh, eerie. The rug. Yeah, well, I, I don't know how to describe it. Kind of like Twilight Zone stuff in a way. Uh, I don't think it's a good look for the game. Obviously, it's horrible for Sean Russell. It is. You, you talk about player welfare, and and the match review committee tried to argue that the arm arrived simultaneously as the knees which is why it constituted a, a legal tackle, never mind that the arm made high contact with Russell's chin. Um, so in and of itself, it was already a high shot. Uh, you, you can't lead it from these. It doesn't make a difference if you make clean contact with the arm anyway. Uh, I do not understand how they arrived at that decision. I feel like it, it's an awful start for a new era in the Judiciary and Match Review Committee uh, with the uh, reset that they had at the start of this season. And yeah, and just above all, a fantastic young player has been robbed of the chance to play the game he loves for what we expect is going to be a somewhat prolonged period now. You can change all the rules you want. you still got the same donkeys running the and, running the and, fucking... Ain't that the truth? Yep, exactly. You can so, put, you know, you can put, well, I, I expect put nothing kind of pig. from the match review committee and they still disappoint me. Yep, so, so that's, that's that. Dewey. Yep, exactly. And the thing is like, okay, the first point of contact is, is uh, let's, let's say, even though in the... Humor, humor in the, the match review committee and say the first point of contact was the, the arm. Um, okay, well, then I go back and I say, when was it, 2010, 2011, we outlawed players coming in first with the knees because Billy Slater was injuring players. Well, yes, Jaden Campbell, first point of contact, so, so very close to for his first point of contact being knees. But let's say there's half a second in it, which there isn't, between his arm connecting and his knees connecting. He has still got his knees up in that position. He's yeah, exactly. Up in that but position. That, so that that sort of logic is just so faulty. It's like saying a crusher tackle should be legal because the initial tackle is a legal contact. Yeah, and, and then at the, at the those. end, at the end, the crusher action just is tacked on. That's okay. Or if someone makes a high shot, but the one of the other parts of the body makes legal contact first, that's okay because they made legal contact initially. It, yeah, it's like, just awful. It's, it's when we have high shots that bounce up off the ball. They're still high tackles because they yeah. make contact with the head. Mm-hmm. But see, but see. If the if the high tackles, if the contact is below um, the chest, it goes up. At least the force is slowed down. What, what ha, like how is that harm hitting Russell in the head, slowing the force from the knees? Like there's nothing bracing it. Like if you understand what I mean, like we brought that rule to, to protect players because they were getting injured. He still got injured. So you could say, oh, hands like his hands were the first contact. Ha, did that stop the force? Did that slow his knees down? No, it didn't. So like. It's just stupid. Like, okay, if he if if he landed on the ground first, then hit him. At least the ground softened the blow or softened his impact, his force. It didn't slow his him down at all. That's what's so stupid. It's like it's like technically he's right, but he got injured, and we're in the business to protect players. That's why I said the next player that does this, he's gonna get time because the NRL is gonna there's gonna be another player. He'll be out for another six weeks, or the player who gets injured will be out for six weeks with broken lungs and the so broken ribs and the fr- punctured lungs. But I just. 
I just feel they got lucky on a technicality because this is not going to be a rule for much longer. Yeah, it's just, and then you have that little friggin' piss ant, what's his face, Holbrook, come out and say that we got the favoritism. Mate, go back to your Gold Coast club where you're irrelevant. That whole, the only reason the Gold Coast Titans are in the competition is because the AFL put in the Gold Coast Suns. If they, if the AFL didn't bring in the Gold Coast Suns, there'll be no Gold Coast Titans. So go back to your irrelevant club, go back to your irrelevant city, and stop fucking whinging. Look, their first, their, their, their first trial was off for a forward pass, right? No one mentions anything about that. Now, I get the whole, like, Will Smith um, kept the challenge and then the race don't one. Like, Will Smith pushes Moses. And by that, and, and when Moses moved, like, about, didn't even make any contact. So Will Smith initiates a contact. Uh, the stripping one, like, that's a 50-50 one, I reckon. Like, it could have went either way with the um, the one against the Titans. But, like, you, you're focusing on the negatives. Well, all the positives, like, Campbell should have been, you know, Simbin. To be honest, let's be honest. Like everyone agrees that he should have been, you know, simbed or suspended, whatever. Like you got a couple, you know, calls your way, and he and like he's he's matter of like it's fifty fifty. So if they get four, you know, if there's four fifty fifty calls, we get half half. It's a long season, you know. We got dudded than we got dudded in the semi final game, you know, seven one penalty count. When do we get those calls back? Like you'll get some luck your way, but um, you know, just we play using a few three four weeks. You know, you never know. You might get the rub of the green there, but. To say that we got all the rubber the green, like even the semi try, like uh, Fordy mentioned earlier, like he was offside. And what's funny is the game, the game after it, the bunker ruled a, uh, a match winning try for the same reason, saying both feet were, were not behind mm-hmm. um, the kicker. Yep, Gabble. It's the same sports. bunker, same day. Yep, yes, and that's the sort of inconsistency that drives fans insane. But yeah, at the end of the day, Eels were far from perfect, but they do escape the game with the two points, which are worth every bit as much as any other win at the end of a season. And it continues a, a trend on the bread after of starting the season off, by and large, on a, a winning uh, start. So Eels right up there looking to go to 2-0 next week against the Cronulla Sharks. Any final thoughts, boys, before we move on? Because there's a lot more to cover in terms of the NRLW, Jersey Flag, and New South Wales Cup. Nah, I'm fired up enough. Get yeah, the yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a bit fired up, but I'm yeah, so, but yeah, good stuff. Eels do sit in seventh position on for and against that plus four trails the competition leading Panthers on plus 22. But uh, yeah, not not too bad to start the season. And like I said, gets us underway against the Sharks and then the Melbourne Storm in round three, who've got their own injury issues. Good Lord. We um, had the clatter out of this game between Madison and Sean Russell and even Maradini Akore in the, I presume, at training. But uh, Christian Welch and George Jennings for the season, Brandon Smith for out for three to four weeks for broken hand. They did it tough against the the Tigers, that's for sure. And the Tigers still couldn't win. <laughs> <laughs> uh... right. On Sunday, there was a, a fantastic, uh, I don't even want to call it a curtain raise. It was part of the double header, a historic day for the club and for the NRL as Combank hosted its first ever home game for the Parramatta Eels in the NRLW. Eels taking on the Titans, much like the NRL boys. And this was a good game following the high standard set by the Dragons and the Broncos before them. Uh, Eels prevailing 24-14. Matty Studden scoring the opening try. Abby Church also crossing in the first half. And then it was a second half rundown as the rookie Emily Curtin getting on the board with Botil Vettiwell scoring her first try as an Eel. A stunning uh, revelation given how good she's been. It's only her first try. And uh, new look edge back row featuring Christian Pio. She gets over to seal the match in the 61st minute. Maddie Studden only adding one try conversion. She managed to hit every single post, left, upright, right, upright, and the crossbar and missing three of those shots, but also adding a penalty goal in the 28th minute for the Titans. 
Uh, the old girl, Stephanie Hancock, opened their scoring, followed by Haley J. Manswell and Destiny Brill. Uh, Kimiora Brawinati going one from three on the try conversions and a Simbin for Tasman Gray in the 13th minute. Uh, this was a, an entertaining game. This was a game not short on controversy due to a phantom buzzer, uh, but the girls prevailed. They they stuck firm. Maddie Starton uh, really kicked into the gear in the second half. The rookie, Emily Curtin, took control of her edge, scored a good individual try, and I tell you what, above all, it was the Botil Vetti Walsh show, wasn't it, boys? You know, I completely forgot about the phantom buzzer. That was that was incredible play. I thought it was half time. Everyone thought it was half time, and except for the referee. And, the- <laughs> and so the, the tight the, and I, what what was then told to me post game because we did the uh, a live show at the uh, Jack's Bar and Grill for the tip sheet, doing the instant reaction there. What was explained to me after we'd done our live show was that uh, the referee had apparently informed the girls that it wasn't half time. They elected to take the tap and kick for touch. Uh, thus, because uh, the Eels were happy for it to be a do-over, but the referee, uh, either the referee got it wrong and wouldn't back down, or she was right and told them and they got it wrong. So I don't know which one's more likely, uh, but that that might add another layer of intrigue to it. But yeah, that, that was easily one of the most bizarre sequences of play I've seen in either the NRL or NRLW, and it led to the Eels getting that penalty goal, which ultimately, I won't say it was academic in a 10-point victory, but it certainly changed the scope of the game before halftime. If the referee had told them that it's not actually half time and they still took the tap and then kicked, well, then that's their mistake. Uh, I feel I don't feel as bad for them, and I, I'm going to run with that in my head because you know <laughs> new head cannon, new head cannon. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, I said last week in the in the preview pod that I want to see uh, Mina Hanisi get angry in her runs, and I I can't imagine she listens to this podcast. And if you are, hello, Mina. What a game you had. Seriously, every run, every charge that she had, she was powering into the line. She was getting quick play of the balls. She was really good. She was a standout for mine this game. It was really good to see. You know, it's exactly what she needed. So very good. Oh. And, you know, how can you go past Bovete Welsh? Just absolute freak with the ball in hand. Uh, most ever run meters in an NRLW match. 272. They, got it, they, every they, time bump, they bumped the up to 272, yeah. she. Every time that she gets the ball, she's just, you, you know... I thought there would have been a, a better crowd there, but it was, it was a good enough crowd. It was vocal, um, at least. On, on our side, Ham, the uh, the Cronin side, I believe, uh, of yeah. the stadium, That that's where it tends to fill out in the early parts of the game. I thought there was a good turnout there, but on the other side, obviously the Fournette side, it wasn't as packed in. But yeah, yeah I, I wrote about this in my uh, my post-game right up there, the Gin and Logic, and I, fi- I find myself watching Bovetti Welsh live, and even at home too, She's a sort of player that whenever she gets the ball, you find yourself just inching forwards on your seat and almost getting ready to to stand up in oh. anticipation of her making some huge play. She's just going to happen when she gets the ball. Yeah, she, something's going to happen every time. The defender's just in, in two minds. She has such a graceful way of attacking the line and and keeping her options open, wherever she's going to run, kick, or pass. And the defenders have to respect all three options, and because of it, they don't know what they're going to do to stop her. Exactly. And another player I'd like to point out, uh, Christian Pio. Yeah. She came in last week and um, she provided the offload for uh, the first try to Maddie Studden. The offload was to Penatani. Yes, around the corner. Really and, good. And it Running up. hard, tackles mm-hmm. hard. Good player. Yeah, we we needed a little bit on the edge, I think. The middle forwards have been fantastic for the Eels by and large, but we needed just a little bit of something on the edge, and I think they've got that in P.O., uh, I do feel sorry for Jamie Ann Wright. She she had a an, a try for all money. If she just gone left or right, 
of uh, uh, Polite at fullback for the Titans. She went face on and, yeah. and got cut down. And I will, I will say this, Ivania Polite seems to be a pretty handy defensive fullback, and she's got an absolutely wicked right-to-left pass that we only saw once in that game. Thankfully, the Titans didn't really put her in a position to uh, unleash that on the Eels, whereas against the Roosters last week, uh, she was absolutely killing them with that pass down the left edge. But yeah, looking, looking across the team, it was good to see uh, Abby Church get a start. Uh, finally, she's been on the bench for a couple of games. Uh, not just Effie Daniels, Rakia Horn had a foot injury and was a late scratch. Uh, the meterage wasn't huge, but she scored a nice try in the corner. Uh, looking at the bench, I like Ellie Johnston. She's got a good work rate, and she's got very good footwork for a, for a big, powerful girl, and she causes a bit of issues there. You already shouted out Hinesiham. She's a good young talent there. Uh, Shelby Malangi did a pretty decent job replacing uh, Nita Maynard, who was a late scratch as well. And then uh, it's the, the front row pairing. I thought Kenny Charrington was very busy, and Smyma Taufa is just an animal. She just, just she is in everything. There's no words to describe Samima at this point. We know what we're going to get. She provides it every game. It's yeah. it's almost you know it's almost a discredit to her, but to say that she's not a standout. But the thing is, she stands out in every every run yeah, she makes. Just she's like, a standout just, in every tackle she, she, she makes. She set a standard that's so high, but you just come to expect. Okay, you're 150 meters from Samima Taufa. Okay, you know, make 30 plus tackles. Yeah, well, that's that's just what she does. Yeah, uh, she's on, she's undersized and she runs hard. Like she's a very powerful um, lady. Like you just. You compare to um like even Charrington, she's not as big as well. Like compared to the other forwards in the NRLW, like like you look at the Titans one, uh, Steph Hancock, she's a much bigger lady, respectively. But Simona Taffa, she runs hard. Like yeah, yeah, and and it's it's a willpower thing too. She just turns up every set on attack and defense, and that's a huge thing for a young team in this expanded competition. And the other player I do want to shout out because I mean to say that she had a horror game sort of does a discredit to how bad the conditions were for handling. But I thought that Tiana Penatani had a couple of uh, big bad blues against the Dragons last week. And this week we got a chance to see her class. And um, she set up a really nice try for Abby Church in the corner with a, a strong run and then some lovely late hands before contact. And I also put Maddie Studnova after that Christian Pio line break assist that you mentioned, Ham. And I thought that in general, her 15 runs for 162 metres, that sort of tells a tale of the tape. Huge work rate, high impact, and a fantastic bounce back from the, the tough game against the Dragons. Absolutely. And then the other player, which probably, I mean, the, the two halves, uh, Maddie Studden, uh, she had a, I think, even the scoring the first try, probably not a high impact first half, but gee, she found her gear in the second half. Beautiful no look pass to put Christian Pio over. Uh, some nice short kicking and a heavy involvement rate. And then the young half, Emily Curtin, who a bit was made of. Uh, once it was uh, revealed that she would be eel number 20 in the NRLW. Uh, very vocal for a young half, was happy barking orders to get her troops in the position, scored a try, pushing through three or four defenders on the line. And yeah, just had her, I mean, in terms of debuts, it doesn't get much better. Absolutely. She's a bit lucky. It was three on nil on her outside. Yeah, she, she had the numbers, but she backed herself and showed a bit of strength. She she fought through and, and broke the tackles. Uh, yeah, but good, good to see her have a strong debut. And it gives the eels an interesting problem moving forwards because I've liked... Uh, what uh, Serena Naitoka-Toka has done in flashes, and she's certainly got a lot of potential. Um, but three cannot go into two, and we'll have to see how Coach Dean Witters handles that. Boys, any final thoughts on the NRLW? They move into a share of second with the Dragons, who fell just short of the Brisbane Broncos. And obviously the Dragons, tiebreakers aren't a thing in terms of the you know the head-to-head, but the Dragons do have better for and against. But the Eels, very much in the running for the finals now. Uh, they control their fate with the two-win, one-loss record. And they take on the Sydney Roosters next week before facing the big, bad Brisbane Broncos in the final round of the regulation season. What? Do we, uh, yeah, any, any final thoughts on our one and only home game of the year? 
Um, uh, no, it was, no? It, was, it was good. It was a decent turnout. I thought there'd be more. Um, hopefully in a couple of years' time, or maybe even at the end of the year, if they've got another game at Parramatta Stadium, uh, more people turn out get to get the that crowd really behind them. That's it. Let's I mean, locked down Bovetti Walsh because you know she's a star. Every time, as you said earlier, every time she touches the ball, she well, does something. So NRLW expansion is coming again in 2023. Two more teams scheduled to be added to the slate: uh, North Queensland Cowboys throwing their ring into the hat, hat into the ring. Good lord! And I would expect the uh, New Zealand Warriors come back into the fold too at some point. Yeah, you got to lock up those key players, and and Bo has to be the number one priority. And uh, Samai might be right up there too, as far as a talismanic forward is concerned. Let's go back one more day on the weekend to Saturday. Boys will start in the morning out at Kellyville Park. This was a game that was slated to be held at Wollongong originally, but that primal downpour that we've had for three weeks uh, rained out the facilities on the coast, and we had it held at Kellyville Park instead as a impromptu home game away from home for the Eels. Um, and they fell short in this game, narrowly 30-22 to to the St. George Elora Dragons. For the Red V, Braxton Wallace, uh, Bryce Mignone, Zach Herring, Alexander Lobb, and Sam Hooper scoring their five tries. Hooper and Lobb sharing the kicking duties. Hooper going uh, free from free, I want to say, when I was doing the updates, and Lobb going one from two. Uh, and then Hooper also addling a penalty goal. For the Eels, new recruit Nikau Raphael open the scoring uh, SG Ball forward Larry Mwagatia crashing over, as well as Matthew Komalafi and SG Ball eligible half Ethan Sanders scoring in the 36th minute. Corey Fenning uh, went three from four in the conversions. I wasn't actually out here for this game, Ham. I couldn't make it out because I had a ton of TCT duties to wrap up, as well as domestic stuff with our first dry weekend in a month. Uh, but you were out there. You saw the game and, and was chatting to other people there. I was chatting to Craig from TCT. The boys are pretty hard done by there. They showed plenty of plucker to get back up from a big hole they were in. I think it was 18-6 at one point. Yeah, uh, they were down pretty so They were down pretty bad. They they dug in hard, got back to the lead, uh, but a string – it came in little bursts three times. A string of really tough calls on three separate occasions led to the Dragons scoring each time. Uh, it's sometimes hard to overcome that sort of officiating when they're missing blatant drop balls and calling some marginal stuff that overwrites knock-ons and gives the opposition penalties instead. Uh, by all accounts, the boys acquitted themselves pretty well on Saturday. Um, yeah, I won't go into the refereeing. I'll just say that uh, it was worse than what we had on Sunday, uh, so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, in terms of good things, Corey Fenning uh, brought him across from Central Coast and Sydney Roosters. People will be sick of hearing about him by the end. But this <laughs> kid, he's, he's a nuggety little player. He's not big. He's not – I think he could probably put on a bit of size. He could probably be a bit thicker. But he's quick. He backs himself. Uh, he's a talker. He must be super fit because he's, he's yelling for 80 shut up. minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he must be absolutely fit because – I can barely string a sentence together after getting up off off the lounge. So for him to be able to do that, he must be absolutely super fit. Um, and he's <laughs> he's very aggressive. I was going to use another word, but I won't. He's a he's a pest in a good way. Uh, in a good yeah, way. But, oh yeah, he's just he's a very aggressive. Player. He'll see you next Tuesday. Uh, Is that what you're trying to tell me? Pardon. He'll see you next Tuesday. Yes, he's okay. got that in him. He's okay. got a bit of that. Like he's just a bit of a hard. See you next Tuesday. Um, <laughs> he's like a, a Ray Stone, but if Ray Stone was playing in that's the backs, a, that is a hell of a compliment because Stoney is an absolute animal. So, <laughs> so that, it's, he's just got that sort of, you know, that the, I can imagine him like before the game, eyes would be rolling in the back of his head, just sort of, you know, he'd have sniffing, smelling salts, and just sort of psyching himself up. He seems to be that sort of player, <laughs> and I think that 
Uh, I'd, I'd like to see him get some opportunities in uh, reserve grade in the future because I, I think he'll be made for it, and I think he's on his way to making a first grade um, preseason this sounds, year. Sounds good. And he obviously wasn't the only new face recruited externally, uh, joining oh, Dantori yeah, Louis Harms, Tavita Talma Penu, uh, the, the Natalie Schmidt brothers, Cruz and Felix, uh, Nikau Raffle, who scored the opening try, Ryan Jones at lock forward. Um, and and so plenty of new faces there. Anyone else stand out in that regard, mate? Um, I thought Ethan Sanders had a good game. He's playing. I was going to get to the SG Broadway's next. God damn oh, it! Sorry, oh, okay, the new guys. Um, <laughs> I thought Williams had a good. Go- oh, he's another fuck. Shit. Um, uh, Tavita had a good second stint. Uh, Nick Howe, he's a hard body to tackle. He's he's got a bit of deceptiveness about him. I like. He, he's a player that just looking at him in the limited times we've seen him, if he buys into the Parramatta way, into the Parramatta systems, he could be a very useful prospect moving forwards. He seems like uh, the second row that BA likes where they've got a bit of ball skill. Yeah, it's I won't say Manu Mao because he's another one that's a bit of a hard see you next Tuesday, but he's just got that, you know, he can do that little wraparound play that we used to do with the halfback. Mm-hmm. I just think he's got, that, he's got that little bit of skill about him. I, I like him. And you preempted me. But uh, that, that's, <laughs> Good segue. That, that's 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 to, that's to be fair to you because these are players worth talking about. Uh, Eels promoting four SG Ball eligible players before the season's over. Arthur Miller Smith, who came in at fullback to push Corey Steven. Fenning. Sorry, Arthur Miller Stephen. Oh, I said Smith. Arthur Miller Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> Miller Smith. I don't know what I'm thinking. Arthur Miller Stephen, who came in and, and pushed uh, Fenning to centre for this game, although they're going to swap, swap roles in uh, round two. Charlie Geimer, who also came to the centres to replace uh, another player I was looking, hoping to get some feedback on and lock on Blackburn, but he missed this game. Then in the halves, Ethan Sanders and on the bench, uh, one of the the good young forward prospects, big Larry Moagatutia. Another SG ball player yeah. missed was Tua Williams. Oh, sorry, uh, Terrell Williams. On the, he, was, he was named on the, in the team from Team West Tuesday, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so who cares about Terrell because he was named from the start. That's nothing, <laughs> you know. I, no, but that's good from Terrell as well. Obviously, so five SG ball eligible players in this team. Uh, we we know the ball's not having the greatest season, but the Eels have definitely signaled in recent years, Ham, that they're going to prioritise individual play development over team success, which is important when you're trying to win in the NRL, and that's the case here. And you want to start with Ethan Sanders, who is a very young halfback in this grade. Oh, um, so I believe he's turning 18 this year. So he's a year young for SG ball, so he's three years young for under-21s. Um, I'll try and keep this as quick as possible because we're going a lot of overtime. Um, just acquitted himself really well, ran the ball, uh, looked comfortable, kicked kicked reasonably well. Um, a, a, as he grows more into his game, he'll, you know, I, I think he could be ready for an NRL preseason come the end of the year. I I, I really rate Ethan. Um, then I'll just go from top to bottom. I won't worry about the cues from 40, if that's okay. No, no, go, 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 go. <laughs> Uh, Arthur Miller-Steven um, thought he was a bit quiet. Uh, obviously, you know, first game in Jersey flag, it's to be expected. Uh, Tua Williams, I think he was, rubbed, he was robbed of a 100-metre try uh, from an intercept, intercept called off, yeah. incorrectly called offside. And they ended up scoring um, off it on the flip side. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely smashed someone, got, got the Kane Evans penalty of tackling too hard, which I believe <laughs> led to uh, the penalty goal from Sam Hooper uh, in the 58th minute. He absolutely demolished his bloke. Charlie Geimer... You know what you're going to get from Charlie. Big body. Didn't look out of place on the field. Um, who we got from there? We have... Larry also uh, crashed over. Larry Mwagatia. Um Strong runs of the ball. I, I, I didn't think Larry would do as well as he did, so he did very well. Um, strong that, that's, runs up. That's not a slow Larry, too, for listeners. That, that's just a case of, 
you know, Larry will develop in, in due time, but he's had a good start into the flag. Yeah, exactly. All right, and they were hard done by the only team to lose for the blue and gold on the weekend, which is damn unfortunate, but uh, certainly no reason to be alarmed. If anything, there's very promising signs for the Eels moving forwards, and they'll be uh, traveling to Points Bet Stadium as part of the uh, doubleheader with the NRL next week. We'll get to that very shortly. Final game on the weekend to talk about this one was televised or broadcast on Facebook uh, live for the New South Wales Rugby League TV. So if you went out at Kelly, we could catch it on stream. And this was a glorious win for the Eels. They were just dominant. 34-6 over the St. George Laura Dragons out of Kellyville Park. Tom Opacek going one, two, three, four. Count them. Four of them. Uh, Nigel Vunga, I used to love doing that one, right? Get the uh, strap fingers together and, and count them all, all up. Scoring a, a double hat-trick there, courtesy, by and large, of Hayes Perriman, who was on fire. Also joining Opacek on the scorers list, Mitch Rain and Ellie Elsgerham. Jordan Rankin going five from six from the kicking tee for the Dragons. Ethan Clarkwood scoring a nice little solo try late in the game. Dean Bloor adding the extras. Oh, we're running we're running out of time here, but, geez, I want to talk about a lot of people in this game, boys. Uh, but let's let's pick our, our sort of top three. Uh, Ham, who do you want to start with? Hayes Perriman. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what what a preseason for Hayes, where he just starred in both the trials against the Dragons and against the uh, Penrith Panthers, and he's carried that into round one. He was just uh, untouchable at times in this game, setting up a whole ton of tries. Uh, I think he's had four try assists, four, four line break assists. Break assists. Yep. Mm-hmm. So just huge game from uh, Hayes. Uh, really good to see him on the field. Tom there. Tom Opacic. I mean, uh, some of those tries are relatively simple, but he obviously had a great uh, great day. You don't score four without doing a bit of work. I thought in the centres, partnering him, Samuel Oz, who had his best game in a long time. Some outstanding defence, some tough work. In the halves, Jordan Rankin, very professional. Newcomer Jack A. Williams looked very tidy. Ham didn't have to do too much, given that Perriman Rankin running the show, but that's good that he knew that and was able to step back. Forward pack dominant. Offerke Ogden, absolutely thumping blokes on both sides of the ball. Kyde Rodwell, an absolute machine, getting through a ton of work. Elliot yeah, Kai Rodwell just on the on the slide, two hundred and twenty meters and forty. No, he didn't get the forty. I think he got thirty tackles. Yeah, thirty. So tackles, he only got the yeah. two hundred forty. So pretty pretty good metrics there for Kai, who was an outstanding uh, member of the squad last year in the back row. Elsgaham looked it looked in really good shape. I'm going to be honest, and they were having problems tackling him. Nathan Brown made a, a solid without uh, starring return to football, which is exactly what he needed. He didn't need to go out there and and bash blokes, just get some. Uh, air into the tyres. Just it, on Brownie, I, I feel like he played the game that he played in first grade. Like, he, if he wanted to, he could have slowed his game down a little bit and played and got 300 metres and 50 tackles. But he went out there, he led the line in defence, he tried to smash players. That's why you see the four missed tackles there. Um, he was ball playing. And so while the numbers don't look good for Brownie, I actually thought he had a, a really good I, I was, first I was grade happy game in yeah. grade. That, that's exactly what the coach's tape would have been asking of him. Just go out there and do those fundamentals. And, um, of course, pulling the strings around the ruck and having a, a fantastic all-round game, Mitch Rain looking very sharp at dummy half and adding a, a nice little security blanket for the Eels at dummy half should something happen to Reed Marnie. On the bench, Brennan Hands had a nice little try assist and some late touches. And I suppose, uh, you know, Dan, Dan Keir, Luca Moretti, Keaton Walker-Meads all having some nice moments. But the big surprise to me was the addition of Pete Tatio before kickoff, the Jersey Flake eligible forward coming onto the bench in the cup. And I thought he looked good, Ham. He, he handled the physicality of the grade just fine, was throwing some blokes around with the ball in hand. And uh, I'm looking forward to more of him in this grade now. 100% absolutely. It was, it was a uh, surprise to see him named. Handed himself really well. Definitely handled himself with the ball, as we know Pete does. So, um, you know, with another repeat effort, hopefully he can uh, build on that throughout the year. 
And a warm welcome to our glorious leader, Hamish, who has finally joined us after making that ugly commute back from a very busy work uh, work job, mate. Oh, work job, what, what am I even saying? Uh, day, today, day so, um, and for the foreseeable future. So my condolences go out to anybody that have to catch public transport. It took three hours to get home oh. last night. So, uh, yeah, give up on public transport you, at the moment. Did you happen to catch the New South Wales Cup game on the live stream, Hamish? Yes, yes, I did. I, I heard the back end of your conversation there. Um, obviously, you're talking about Brownie and, and some of the younger guys. You might have already touched on it, but my two standouts were Offa Higgy Ogden. I thought he a lot of punch, um, especially in his first stint. And then Hayes Perham at the back, he, he really um, added uh, – he sort of played that second 5-8 role yeah. um, in attack. Yeah, Hay- Hayes was definitely sparkling. And he's a player that's sort of – I think starting to sneak his way into sort of NRL utility, if not outright backline contention, given what's happening with our injury crisis out there. And that's definitely a, a name and a player to keep in your little black book if he can keep the uh, fires burning. And that win obviously catapults the Eels right up uh, the top of the ladder in terms of uh, for and against and sets them up nicely to make a, a strong opening stint into the 2022 New South Wales Cup. And they're also going to be taking on a Sharks affiliate next week. And we'll get to that very shortly. Uh just trying to just one, just one more point on that. You know, we'd been sort of linked with Tarek Sims. Um, you know, given his effort on the weekend, I don't know if we'd want to yeah. be linked with him much longer. And, and, <laughs> yeah. So George Burgess out in that game too. He actually tried, if not to great effect, but he was working hard. But yeah, uh, if you didn't know Tarek Sims was in that team, which you would not have guessed that he was playing, and he's been more recently linked to the Melbourne Storm, thankfully, and um, maybe he gets that situation resolved sooner rather than later because that is. The Dragons don't want him in first grade, and he doesn't want to play for them either, so that's a bit of a mess there. Let's uh, switch things up. It's the 53rd minute. We're getting into our previews. Let's quickly race for them. Team West Tuesday coming out, and Team West Tuesday is now massive with the addition of the NRL W, by the yeah. way. It is I'm doing the, the tip sheet, the tip sheet, the TCT stuff. It's absolute mammoth stuff. Let's start with the flag very quickly. A couple of changes there. All the SG ball players retaining their spots in the team, except for Terrell Williams, who... Uh, Eva was suspended or just had to make way for Arthur Miller-Steven. So Corey Fenning, captain at fullback, Miller-Steven and Komalafi on the wings, Tua Pilotu and Charlie Geimer in the centres. Dantore Louis and Ethan Sanders will be at 5'8 and halfback respectively. In the front row, uh, Tavira Tamio Peno, I believe, might have been suspended and he makes way there with Jack Colavati coming into the starting front row of David Hollis. Cruz Natili Schmidt is the dummy half. In the back row, it's unchanged from what took on the uh, Dragons. On the weekend, uh, Nick Raphael on one edge, Felix Natui Schmidt on the other side, Ryan Jones at lock forward. On the bench, David Tui, Brock Parker, Larry Moagatutia, Jaden Skinner, Ben Olsen is the 18th man. They go to Points Bet Stadium, as I mentioned earlier, on Saturday. Kickoff is at 3.15 p.m. They are playing the curtain raiser to the NRL. Uh, this will be a good clash. We, we've mentioned this in the past in the, on the tip sheet, but the Eels and the Sharks have a nice little rivalry brewing in the juniors over the last uh, few years, so... Be good to see him get the bickies and get their season uh, off the ground for win on Saturday. Uh, Ham, I don't think you're going out there. I don't think I'm going out there. It's always a rough commute uh, out to uh, Points Bet or Shark Park, whatever you want to call it. Parking is an absolute mongrel, so we might have to rely on some updates from another source this week. Absolutely. <laughs> um, moving on to the New South Wales Cup, and um, they've had a couple of changes enforced by the NRL of their injury crisis. Coach Ryan Carr looking to harness momentum from round one. Obviously, has uh, named the team like this. Jordan Rankin pushing back to fullback because Jake Arthur comes back in the team. But on the wings before that, Solomon Naiduki and Zach Sini. Hayes Perham gets bumped from fullback to center because of it. And I do wonder if there might be a little bit of thinking towards a first grade uh, sort of outlook there to see how he handles center and wing in that regard. And Sam Moyes will be the other center on the right. 
Zach Sini, I mentioned, is on the other wing. Jack A. Williams at 5'8", partnering Jake Arthur in the halves. Offahiki Ogden and Mitch Rain are part of uh, two parts of an unchanged front row in that regard, but Wiramu Greg comes back, thankfully, from a calf injury to uh, boost a forward pack that's missing a few players to the NRL. In the back row, Ellie Elskaham, Dan Keir, and Kai Rodwell, who bumps from prop to lock. On the bench, uh, Brennan Hands, Peter Tatio, Luca Moridi, and Keaton Walkington Meads, which is an unchanged interchange, if I'm not mistaken, from Saturday. Uh, but the Eels do lose Bryce Cartwright, who didn't actually play but was named in the Cup in round one. He'll go to the NRL, and they'll lose Nathan Brown, who was always destined to go up to the NRL. Uh, but yes, Jacob Arthur coming back down. They take on the Newtown Jets, who are back to being affiliated with the Sharks this year. That'll take place on Sunday out at Kellyville Park, 12.45 p.m. So I'm not sure if that one's on New South Wales Rugby League TV, but I imagine I will get out to that game for coverage. Looking forward to that one, Ham. You getting out there on the weekend, mate? Absolutely, I think everyone should. Uh, go out and see the training grounds for Parramatta. Really good day. Uh, it was a lovely day out there on Saturday last week. Lovely blue skies. Get to sit on the hill. So people that like to sit on a hill, go out and sit on the hill. Yeah, uh, it's just a good you day. Started a, start a petition for the chip rolls? Oh, mate. Change the org. Make it happen. they got chip rolls, and, and went, or maybe they can have uh, Kellyville burgers. The Kelly if they burgers. somehow got chip rolls with gravy out to Kellyville, mate, I, I wouldn't leave. Actual, actual paradise. Is yes. there a petition to uh, to mow the, the the lawns on the uh, on the hill? They seem to be a bit long on the broadcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, you you, were, you had to trudge through them firstly, but then I think uh, the amount of people there they sort of flattened them down. So yeah, maybe maybe get some uh, maybe someone get on the ride on 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 for Sunday. <laughs> just just having a look at that the team. So this is a replay of was it the 2020 or the 2019 uh, grand 2019. final? Yeah, 2019 grand final replay where we were robbed. We we was robbed. Was I remember bad. that especially that penalty that I think almost brought them level in the game yeah, where yeah. it was both fullbacks. I think it was Will Smith was playing fullback and they were both obviously attacking the ball. And then Will, I think it was Will Smith got dudded in a yeah. penalty saying that he wasn't playing at the ball. Um, but sorry, just looking at that Jets team, Reese Davies, former um, reserve grader for the Eels at halfback for, for uh, the Jets. And Shabell Tassapali on the interchange bench. So yeah, Shabell, a great young kid. Uh, hoping the best for him in terms of his NRL career, but just not this weekend. Yeah, have have, have a bad game this weekend, Shabell. Do one for the for the boys. But yeah, in in the context for the old club. In the context, of the big picture, I wish him the best. Fantastic young man, and I hope he makes it to the NRL. Uh, look forward to him doing that for the Sharks at some point. Uh, but let's move on to the. Uh, Top flight stuff now, NRL. NRL. Oh, sorry, can I just? I, I, I didn't raise that in the um, the review, but uh, Ellie Elza Kaham, um, he, he was really good on the weekend yeah, as well. Yeah, and he looked real sharp. He's a bit of an older older player, isn't he? Uh, I think he's early as 20s, 23, 24, 22, maybe. 23. There you go, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess with, um, you know, I think we've discussed it at length with second row stocks for next year. Um, you know, this is a really good opportunity this yeah. year to sort of. Uh, if if not a first grade uh, spot in the starting lineup, at least like a bench sort of second rower role. He's definitely a player I had circled as a roughie as someone that can really improve their stock in 2022. And he's off to a good start. He looked really good out there. Very physical, hard to contain uh, and, and running those hard lines that you love to see from your edge back row. But like I said, let's bump up to the, uh, the big boys and the big girls in the NRL and NRLW. Uh, starting with our ladies who sit on uh, equal second, but third on four and against on the ladder. They're traveling to McDonald Jones Stadium once again, but as the home team this week, as part of the uh, the, the scheduling that is the NRLW, they take on the 
Sydney Roosters, who got their first win of the season last week. Uh, for the Eels, coach Dean Witters has made a couple of changes. And I'll just pull up my team sheet here. Uh, Emily Curtin will retain her spot in the halves. No surprise after a strong debut from the young lady. Uh, and the back line otherwise is unchanged, except for Rakia Horn coming back onto her left wing, which bumps Abby Church to the bench. Uh, looking at the forward pack, Nita Maynard makes her return from an undisclosed injury that kept her out of the game in round three. Philomena Hanese gets her first start as an NRLW player because Tamai Kelly signs is being bumped down to get the week off. Uh, Mate, Hanese started on the weekend. Well, she gets her first official start then because she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't named to start. Sorry, uh, but she gets her first official starting jersey from Team West Tuesday, and she'll partner Kennedy Charrington in the half in the halves. I wish they they want to be in the halves, biggest halves in the NRLW, but uh, <laughs> in the front row, and that actually causes the jersey to be flipped. Charrington's been wearing the eight for this year, but now she wears the ten. Uh, Christian Pio and Jamie Ann Rant, uh, Jamie Ann Wright, sorry, unchanged in the back row of Captain Samama Taufa at lock forward. Shelly Molly goes back to the bench after deputising Maynard last week. I already mentioned that Church is there, but Serena Nitoka Toka comes back onto the bench with Ellie Johnston rounding out the game day 17 or the game day 20, given that Johnston wears the number 20. Uh, interesting to see how they're going to balance Church and Nitoka Toka as two sort of utility backs there, but I expect Johnson to get plenty of time alongside Malungi. Extended roster features Christine Pauly, Jade Efferton, Tess Staines, Mariva Swan, Katrina Fippen, Teresa Iton, who technically can't play because she has a facial laceration, facial laceration is due back against the Broncos, and uh, Tamaya Kelly signs. Uh, yeah, Teresa Iton, been in the walls, the poor thing. She got a really bad concussion, uh, followed, but she didn't break her, didn't somehow break her orbital bones, and then followed up by a real nasty laceration that had to get running repairs twice on the weekend. But yeah, good to see, uh, by and large, a lot of continuity for the Eels in this team among the core players. Obviously, Botilvetti Welsh at fullback, Curtin and Studden in the halves, Maynard back at dummy half is going to help, and those pillars in the forward pack, Charrington, Taufa, and then those emerging players in Hanisi and Pio, um, that's what they're going to need to take the win from the Roosters on the weekend, boys. Absolutely. I think the Roosters have sort of been a bit of a disappointment this year, given yeah, their... Yeah, I think uh, that's fair. They're their, highly touted, uh, grand final credentials in the past. Just got Corbin Baxter back and, and ready to go, but also, you know, their back their back row, back line features some big star power, Jess Surgis, Isabel Kelly. Uh, and Corbin halves, Baxter. Yeah, sorry, I, I mentioned Baxter coming back there, but she's full back and captain. And then in the halves, Zahara Tamara. So they've got plenty of strike in that back line. That seems to be a bit of a common occurrence in the uh, NRLW. Lots of, like, out-and-out stars in the back line, fullbacks in particular. Uh, Eels go do a good job bottling up all of them, obviously. But uh, for the Eels, you know, a lot of their strength comes in the forward pack. Cam mentioned Hanisi having that big breakout game on the weekend, and she's going to need to back that up alongside Charrington and Taufer in the middle. And I, I want to see uh, – I know she, she missed the game, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Nita Maynard have a breakout game. She's threatened a couple of times, particularly in round one. But, yeah, with, with the pack starting to get into gear, I'm looking forward to her, you know, getting in behind the rock and causing some grief for defenders there. Yeah, if, if Mina can get those big charges again, Maynard jumping out of dummy half after that with some uh, markers left left on the ground, I think we can make a few metres up the ruck there. Um, and obviously, like I said, that takes place on Sunday, so make sure to watch that via Fox 9 or KO. Um, that that still is on across all three of the NRL, right, boys? Or am I making that up? No, that's correct. Okay, fantastic. Just, just uh, one there, Vetti Walsh. Doesn't she just have that vibe of, you know... Um, you know, he who must, must not be named, uh, yeah. but Hayne from 2014. Yeah. Every time, you know, sort of getting the ball, it's just, or, or 2009, just, 
you're out of your seat, ready for her to take um, uh, that extra step and just break open a game. Yeah, you Are you may- sure you weren't listening on to us? Yeah, because we, uh, <laughs> we, we described her in pretty similar terms without invoking uh, Jared's name, obviously, but uh, she, she is must-see TV, absolutely electric. Every time the ball just comes near, you find yourself gravitating towards the edge of your seat because you just know that if it gets into her possession, she's going to make something happen. And uh, Eels are incredibly fortunate to be able to have her as one of her strike players. And with the upcoming NRLW expansion, we already talked about it, but she has to be a player that they lock in and, and don't let the Cowboys or the Warriors, whoever it is, get their mitts on her because she is too important. And of course, uh, you know it, it shares equal top billing now with the NRLW, but uh, the other main event on the weekend it's 5.30 p.m., so not a prime time slot, but that's understandable on Saturday. Eels traveling out the points bet stadium to take on Craig Fitzgibbon and his new look Sharks. Uh, 4v Sharks, they actually look like this quickly. If I just pull up their team list, my apologies, here it is. Uh, Will Kennedy at fullback on the wings, Sione Katoa and former rooster Matt Ikavalu, Jesse Ramian and Renato Molotalo in the centers. Bit surprised to see more Tyler in the centers there, boys. We can talk about that later. Matt Moylan, the uh, forever young Matt Moylan in 5'8", with Nicholas Hines, Nico Hines at uh, halfback. In the front row, Toby Rudolph and Braden Hamonueli will partner Blake Braley. God, every time I see Blake, it just it looks wrong. B-L-A-Y-K-E. It's awful. Sorry, Blake. Back row, uh, Britton Nakora, Teague Wilton, and new captain Dale Finucan on the bench. Aiden Tolman, Sio uh, Sifa Talakai. Uh, Royce Hunt and Andrew Fafita extended bench featuring Luke Metcalf, Cameron McInnes, who apparently is a fitness test away from coming into the actual team itself. Connor Tracy, uh, Jensen Tamal Pia, uh, Lachlan Miller, Jaden Beryl, and Franklin Pele. For the Eels, a couple of changes enforced by injury. Quinton Gufferson, one of the two captains at fullback. Wonga Blake moving out to the wing this week, uh, and he'll be partnering Tom Opachik on the left. Will Penasini will partner Bowie Simonson on the right. Unchanged Harris, thankfully. Dylan Brown holding his spot at 5'8 with Mitchell Moses. Unchanged front row. Very fortunately, superstars Reg and Junior holding or holding down the fort with Reed in the uh, ruck. On the edges, Sean Lane and his eye Papa Lee. Ryan Madison's hamstring injury opens up a spot at lock forward. And interestingly enough, it'll be Oregon Kafusi uh, taking on his future employers in the starting team this week. So expecting a big game from Oggy as he tries to impress. On the bench, Makasi uh, Makatoa and Bryce Cartwright are the 14 and 15. Ray Stone and Nathan Brown the 16 and 17. Extended roster is Mitch Rain, Jake Arthur, Kai Rodwell, Hayes Perham, Wiramu Greg, Solomon Naiduki, and Samuel Loizu. Lots of outside back assistance there in case there's more black cats and broken mirrors during the week. They've got the likes of Perham, Naiduki, and Loizu to still call upon uh, as the team list starts getting filtered down. But yeah, this one, boys, the, the Sharks were a bit. Sp- uh, inconsistent, like splotchy, had times of great football against the Raiders but fell short to a, a big set play at the end. Um, they're going to be looking to kick off their season at home with a win and uh, obviously they've got to be on lookout there. They've had our number in recent years but our last four encounters, the Eels have prevailed three times, suggesting that we might be turning the quarter. But new coach Craig Fitzgibbon, new signings from Melbourne, Storm, Dale Finucane and Nico Hines. There's a lot to watch out for here. Uh, what are our talking points for this game? Let's start with our fearless leader since he um, needs to get some more runtime on the show this week. Um, obviously, uh, training is going to be defense, defense, defense this week. Um, uh, and, and it really needs to be a point of priority. I think Moses in his wrap-up after round one said they wanted to come out and make a defensive statement, and I guess they sort of made the opposite. Um, and you're going up against a Sharks team uh, that, whilst it's lacking you know, some experience in the halves, um, and, and, and I guess in the spine as a whole, uh, 
their forward pack is, has been built on a brand of grittiness, toughness. They're going to take you to the wire. Um, and, uh, you know, in our last couple of matchups against Sharks, we always seem to play them close. Um, I guess in the background, is, the, is this a Johnny Johnny Manor Cup for this game? Uh, so yeah. it's the uh, Johnny Manor Walk for Lymphoma now as, as well as the Johnny Manor Cup. So uh, Yeah, Tim. so there's always a, a nice little bit of rivalry with that given Johnny played for, for both Parramatta and, and for Cronulla. Um, but, you know, Cronulla are still seething over 74-4 back in, when was that, 2003 or so? Yeah. It's a pretty yeah. pretty bitter pill to swallow to have that sort of record, uh, you know, standing in the club. So um, <laughs> they always seem to get up for this sort of game. Um, you know, they've got some, some uh, obviously, uh, hard heads in the forward pack and they brought, um, oh, gosh, what's the, uh, not Welch, Finucan? the other guy. Sorry, Sagan. Finucan? Yeah, Fanukan from from Melbourne, and you'd expect him to sort of play. Um, I guess linking back to the past, a Paul Gallon-esque role uh, at thirteen, just to level the heads and and provide that grit and toughness up the front and make a thousand tackles. Um, so a, again, Sharks they're not going to they've got like Mulatalo on the wing and stuff. They can, they can produce some flashy plays and some good put downs, but Sharks are a less a flashy team and more of a try grind you into the dust team. So. Um, I think uh, it's going to be a different sort of game than against the Titans, who are very flamboyant and and, and made the most out of uh, our mistakes. But um, I think you know in the early rounds of the competition, uh, BA is just going to drill them. You know, uh, tackle hard, um, don't left in soft tries like last week because mm. that was embarrassing, and um, stop making so many freaking errors. And uh, to be honest, if Brad Arthur isn't uh, cutting off uh, the arms of the first person who doesn't charge <laughs> down on the clearing kick. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know where they've got this sort of, and we saw it in the trial matches, um, wanting to charge down on a fourth, which being kicked from the opposition 30 or 40 metres. That, you know, yeah. it, it, It's just dumb stuff. It's low percentage play. Um, even if it does come off, you're still a chance of trying to, uh, of knocking it on when you try to scoop the ball up again. Um, just let them clear it. Um, you've got Gutherson at the back. Uh, he's always in position. And... Uh, it's as simple as uh, finish your sets as best as you can and and, uh, and um, just play high percentage football. Um, we've got the cohesion in the team from from years past, especially in the spine and the, and the forward pack, um, to, to, to be right up on top in the early goings, especially against teams that haven't had that cohesion year to year and, and Sharks are a demonstration of that with their uh, spine. Um, but yeah, uh, our wing pairing, that's that's probably the main concern. Ham hey, and Bertie, I'm going to throw this this one to you, but there was trepidation to see how Brad Arthur would handle filling the Sean Russell gap. There was, you know, maybe there was going to be a continuation of what we saw against the Titans with Jake Arthur in the halves, Dylan Brown at centre, Wanga Blake at wing. Maybe he would have gone for a rookie, more so Samuel Loiser over, over Solomon and Iduki, who was a bit too raw at the moment for my liking. Maybe Hayes Perrin, but instead he's plumped for Tom Opachik at the centres, the ever-reliable stalwart, and put Wanga Blake out there. Was that the right move in your estimation, boys? I'll let Bertie go first. Go first, first Bertie. I want to see what you say. Bertie? Bertie? Okay, we're going to have to... Throw uh, down. Yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll first. go first. Yeah. Um, on one hand, I don't like it because I thought Wanga Blake was really playing well at centre. I thought the combinations between him, Laney, Gutho were, you know, starting to really get strong. Um but in another way, I can understand why, because probably Tom Opicic coming up from reserve grades, our next strongest player. So, you know, whilst we're, I don't think Opicic is as good as Wanga at centre, that combination probably works better than bringing up another untested rookie. So 
so I can understand why. I, I just I don't like it, but I can. It's it's the best of a bad situation. Of what we can do. Well, I suppose I'll throw it back to you, Hamish. Do you do you like the the way we've played it out? Would you prefer to have seen a different permutation? Oh, well, you know, Wong has played on the wing before. We always got those plays at the line, um, or usually they do have the plays at the line. Uh, really Moses pick, Crossfield kicked to Wong. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it, it's not ideal, but, you know, also it, it's not ideal losing three first-grade wingers <laughs> um, at the beginning of the year. Um, and... Uh, I understand Solomon Naiduki, he's got a lot of upside, but in circumstances where there's been no reserve grade and, and no development grades in the last two years, I think it's a bit rich to try and get him to come in and play mm. that. And I think anybody who watched the cup game on the weekend saw... I think uh, he's, I think he's at least half, half a season of cup away from being in real contention. He needs oh, to iron, I, iron, I out, iron out some of those uh, either brain snaps or just you know moments where he isn't quite at 100% intensity. Because I, I love the upside of Naiduki, but... Yeah, it'd be a huge roll of dice to throw him into first grade right now. Um, and that's it. I think it's about protecting players from yeah, themselves. Exactly. I'm sure he'd give it a good solid crack, but, um, you know, you don't want to bump him up uh, to play. Hopefully it's only going to be a week or two until we get um, some players back or it could be up to a month, I guess, at the moment, depending on on, on Russell. And what's Sebo's projection? Is he about round we, 10? We estimated that? about round 13 to 14 because – Adam Dewey is due back round 10 or so, and Sevo did his a couple of weeks later. So just yeah. factoring in an extra week even then. So he's probably going to be back the same time Russell was back. On the If you take a long, like the long view on Russell's six to 12 week window to recover from the punctured lung and broken ribs. Yeah, no, it's so it's it is what it is. It's unfortunate. We'd rather Wunger at centre. I thought he was um, quite dangerous on the weekend. Um, but. You know, sometimes you've got to you've got to work around that, and I think that's probably the best combination that we can have uh, moving forward. Uh, whilst we're just noting that we're going to patch up, and and you know, the man scored four tries on the weekend. So, <laughs> and I mean, there's also the the thing that Brat Ba has done a little bit in the past, where Wunga Blake can play centre and attack, and then out on the wing in defence. So, you know, it's not set in, in concrete this sort of pairing and the way they will line up. So I'd like to see that, you know, a little bit of a positional switch, even if it is them just swapping between each other. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's most of the talking points for a podcast in which we are running desperately over time right now. Um, unless there's a particular player you're, you're concerned about, boys, Nico Hine obviously jumps off the page. They've got a couple of handfuls in the centers in Rami and Molotalo. Um, and on the off the bench, I suppose, Talakai is always a handful. But this feels like a game the Eels should take care of business. They're going to look at the tape from the game against the Titans, find out where they were a bit leaky in defense and start tidying that up. And I think they should be able to get the business done against Cronulla. Um, how do you see them winning this in terms of first try scorer and margin? Ham, you want to lead this one off, mate? All right, we, we always got to do last. We need to say, ham? Well, you're Ham and he's Hamish, remember? Okay, fair um, enough. I'll, 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 give it the, I'll give it to Hamish first. You always end up closing off with a big bomb, bastic <laughs> uh, prediction. So we'll, we'll save that one. Sorry, I'm completely out of sorts. Who's going first? You're going first, boss man. Okay, so who's on first? Um, <laughs> Amish. Um, these are sort of grinding um, affairs. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to pitch it at 24 16, uh, Eels victory. Uh, first try score, a wonger out on the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go next. I've got to say the best for last. Uh, but are you back or no? I don't think you yeah. Okay, I'll go next and I'll let you and Ham run it out. Um, I am going to go first try scorer. You know what? Let's let's give it to the man that scored four. Tom Opacic is going to keep the uh, the tries flowing. 
someone's got to replace Sean Russell's expected uh, try conversion rate of six tries a game, and it's got to be Tom Opacic, I suppose. And I will go for a fairly similar margin of victory to Hamish. I think he went eight points, mate. I'll go 10, and I'll go uh, 22-12. Betty, you want to go next, brother? Um. Okay, so hang on a sec. You, you guys can hear me, hey? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so I'm thinking uh, Parramatta, it's going to be a close game. You know, Sharks got a big, massive pack. Uh, so it's going to be very tough for us. I reckon we're going to win 24-10. I'm going to go with my boy, uh, Pinicini, first try scorer. And I'm going to put down um, Junior Paulo. I reckon he's going to score a try as well. Oh, we got an anytime try match, scorer. And man of the match, I'm sure you got Moses as well. So yeah, is, that, is that all the criteria? Am I missing something? Someone's got to parlay that into a multi and see what odds they get. So you got 24-10. So you've got the 13-plus. You've got the exact score. You've got the the, uh, the points scored in the match. You've got Mitchell Moses, man of the match, Junior Paul, anytime try scorer, and Will Penn any first time try scorer. There's got to be some good odds for a, a, a multi that big. I mean, you know, hashtag gamble responsibly, but that's a, that's a, that sounds interesting to me, to be honest. <laughs> and Ham, bring us home, baby. So I, I didn't think I'd do anything bombastic, but I just realized I am. Um, I think the score will be 13 6 to Parramatta. I think our halves will score all of our points. So Dylan Brown to score two tries. Mitchell Moses kicked two goals and also kick a field goal. Speaking of field goals, what are, what about the Brisbane Broncos game? It's Capo just scooping oh. up the ball and absolutely drilling the field goal. That That is one of the most surreal things I've seen. <laughs> oh, NRL. He's never, sweetly never, too. Never changed. He absolutely hammered that. But yeah, so the consensus is the boys will get the bickies on the weekend. I think that's to be expected. Cronulla are a, a very uh, tidy all-round team and will be there or thereabouts for the top eight, but the Eels have title aspirations and this is a game they need to take care of. Be good to get an away victory under the belt too. Um, as I said before, action kicks off at 5.30pm on the Saturday. You can catch this one on Fox and KO or if you're feeling pretty uh, perky, get out to the Points Bet Stadium and watch it live. Boys, before we sign off on a Monster Podcast, any shout-outs, anything you want to talk about or do you want to just get out of here? Um, Brady. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I feel sick talking about Brady, the bastard. Uh, two months of dealing with his kids and he's had enough and he's come back to the NFL to torment everyone once again. He wants to run it back one more time. And the Bucks went from having 33 agents that all wanted out to get their money elsewhere to everyone's buying back in again at, at bargain rates. Uh, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. I mean, I blame Schefter for that. If he just could have waited two weeks and <laughs> Brady announced his retirement. What about the poor bloke that bought his uh, final touchdown board auction? Only for Brady yeah. to then oh, immediately unretire. <laughs> That's brutal. But yeah, the NFL is going wild with the trades and the cuts and the signings right now. I don't know what my Seahawks are doing, trading away their best player and then not making a single splash of free agency <laughs> and, and re-signing all the players that led them to having a losing season uh, this year. The the wheels are falling off there. Uh, your Broncos, Birdie, making some uh, cuts and trades as well. Murray Cooper gone. And Broncos, even, uh, Broncos, uh, Cowboys, your Cowboys. I haven't dropped a shit your yet. Cowboys. Yeah, um, no, it's just funny. We uh, we cut our best receiver to resign. Not a good tight end, and Gallup. a guy coming from ACL. I don't yeah. know. And then for your boys, Hamish, you are cutting uh, Zadarius, if I'm not mistaken, but you re-signed his brother. Uh, yep, that's and, correct. <laughs> the I, I suppose the big news is that. Uh, uh, your wide receiver superstar, probably the best wide receiver in the in the, the NFL. Honestly, Devontae Adams has informed the team he will not play under the franchise tag. Yeah, that always seemed the case. I, I don't know why they were trying. He's going to earn like massive amounts of money, but like I just 
You know, it's just the ego side of the football. Is, it, it is the same a, with the quarterback. Yep. Is I need to be the top, seen as the, the highest paid player right. because yeah, I'm the, top, the best. Top dollars because I'm the best. Yeah. How about the Jordan Love um, draft pick? That just shows it was a, the biggest waste pick ever. No, no, no. So, so, Birdie, you're looking at it the wrong way. It motivated <laughs> two MVP seasons. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> ah, a little fire under his yeah. Bit of 3D chess, eh, from Guntuka. I mean, <laughs> like obviously it's a bit of a GM power play there, but there was logic in it anyway because, like you said, you either get a guy to replace Aaron Rodgers or you light a fire under his ass and get him to go to back-to-back MVP seasons. So Yeah, I'd prefer not to deal with the uh, – the, All uh, the drama. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think, you know, you get divas and, and he certainly fits in that mould of a diva, so. I mean, Charles Barkley was pretty spot on. He's like a pretty girl that you Chuck, constantly say she's pretty. Chuck is, it, it, Chuck it, is it, an it, absolute exactly legend. Correct. Yeah, he, he, he speaks his mind and he, he gets some absolute zingers because of it. So, yeah, he, he had it down to a, a T there. But, yeah, so NFL free agency is starting to kick off now. I've got the draft in just over a month at the end of April. That's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. And then in the NBA, starting to get towards the postseason there, they're starting to get to the business end. Uh, we saw the 76ers meltdown against the Nets after all the Ben Simmons drama, which is rather entertaining. Uh, but yeah, baseball, the lockout's done. I don't know who cares about baseball in this podcast, but I do. They got the lockout resolved, so my Mariners have a what chance about, to... What about Tatis uh, broke his wrist? Riding a motorbike, the, yeah. And then yeah, when, like, when, they, when, they, when they asked him uh, like what the accident was like, he asked which accident... <laughs> Like that's that that fills your confidence painting what over I think he's like two I think he's on a big massive deal he's two hundred fifty million. He's on like three hundred million across lifetime. Yeah, his, imagine his that freaking yeah. uh, three hundred million US by the way, not Australian. So yeah, that is absolutely brutal for the Padres. But uh, Tatis is a superstar and he'll be back at some point during the year. But yeah, looking forward to that. And yeah, and then in the cricket, Aussies on top against Pakistan. Good to see that. But yeah, I think that's about it, boys. Right? Unless there's any other shout-outs. Can I finish the pod? Yeah, you get to sign off if you want, mate. Go. Yeah, sick. No, it's just a sad day in the professional wrestling world. One of the greats oh, to ever do it. Scott Hall passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big, um, big diesel. So I'll just finish off with his Hall of Fame speech because it's just it, – it's four lines, but I just think it, it's it's really succinct. Uh, hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Rest in peace, Scotty. NWO for life. Bye.